You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. where we talked about uh, how Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're still on their first missionary journey. And they were at Iconium, Iconium and uh, they, they, they were under heavy persecution and they, they ducked, as Pastor Ron said, and they fled to, um, to Lystra and Derby. Um, so they're in Lystra right now. That's, that's where we're at in the, you know, in, in the story. Um, so let me, uh, let me just read, I'll read uh, 8, to, 8 to 20 right now, and then we'll go back. In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. This man was listening to the words of Paul, who looked intently at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. In a loud voice, Paul called out, stand up on your feet. And the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices in the Lyconian language the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, hoping to offer a sacrifice along with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul found out about this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In past generations, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony to his goodness. He gives you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could hardly stop the crowds from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds. When they stoned Paul, or won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, presuming he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. All right. So uh, some pretty interesting things happening here. So let's go back to, to verse eight. Um, the first couple of verses. This is a this is a miraculous healing that that Paul does um, that God God does through Paul, 
And so this is a crippled man who was crippled. It very specifically lets us know that he was crippled in his feet. And, uh, and he was lame from birth and had never walked. He had never used any of his lower body to move around. Um, you know, so all of his ligaments, bones, muscles, the whole thing, never been used before. Uh, so he wouldn't know how it feels. He wouldn't know how to do it. Nothing. And as, so, so picture, you know, this is, uh, this is Paul and Barnabas, mostly Paul, uh, talking and, and preaching to a crowd of people. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of people around them and, um, and there's this crippled man. So with, the, with all these people around him, with this crowd happening, as Paul is in the middle of his, of his preaching and, and all, and, you know, he's, and he's, he's looking at the people's faces, he, he sees that this man, uh, in verse 9, he, he looked intently at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. So he basically sees that this man is believing what this message that Paul has given. This man has faith, and he's ready, um, he's ready to be healed. And <clears throat> so verse 10, in a loud voice, Paul called out, and I kind of picture it like this. Uh, like he was in the middle of preaching and he's looking around, he's, you know, he's preaching, he's preaching. And then he just stops and he looks at him and goes, stand up right now. Um, that's at least, it probably didn't happen exactly like that, but that's how I picture it. How, you know, maybe it was kind of just like an interruption of, of his, of his speaking. And, and he just, you know, just knew that this was, this needed to happen. And uh, he stand up on your feet. And then immediately, the man jumped up and began to walk. Which is so cool to think about. Um, we, we, almost, we, we basically don't even have a reference to try to fathom that in our minds, right? Like, what, where, where does that, when, what can we even relate that to? Um, but that's also kind of the point of a miracle, right? And it's not a, it's not a normal it's not a normal thing. It's not a, not just, not a natural event. It's a supernatural event. Um, and uh, it's, just, it's just so cool to see that happen. But now it gets interesting, or more interesting. So because of that event that just happened, and because he was in this crowd of people, right? so a bunch of people saw that happen. <clears throat> now they're in a very, uh, they're in a very Greek uh, environment, Greek city, um, secular, you know, Greek environment. So the, these people uh, are Gentile environment. These people would have, uh, would have believed, most likely would have believed in the, you know, the Greek gods, you know, uh, and, and all the myths and everything that went with all that. So uh, there, and, and also in that time, I, I had read a few things that said that at that point and in that area of the world that, uh, there were a lot of legends of, of Zeus and Hermes um, had previously uh, had previously walked in human form, you know, in the, in those areas. So that's all what that's the context of the minds that we're dealing with the, with the crowd of the people that that saw the, this event happen. So when they see that happen, they think that Zeus and Hermes are now are now with them, are now walking with them, um, and. So that's now the dynamic that, that Paul and Barnabas are, are trying to deal with. And uh, <laughs> see, see, Jim, I did it. <laughs> I skipped a whole bunch of my notes. But uh, that's fine. Um, so, so verse 11, the gods have come down to us in human form. That's, that's the crowd talking. And 
Barnabas they called Zeus, verse 12, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. They, they might have just called, you know, maybe Barnabas, uh, maybe he was older, maybe he was, you know, looked like he was more of the, the el- elder to Paul. Whatever reason they gave him, you know, Zeus, the title of Zeus. And, uh, but Paul was the talker, so he got Hermes because um, that's basically what Hermes did and in, in Greek mythology. And uh, so <clears throat> 13, the priest of Zeus whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, hoping to offer a sacrifice along with the crowds. And so they wanted to, again, they, they, they really believed that, that the, their, their Greek gods were, were among them. And uh, so they're, they're basically going wild. They, you know, they, the, the priests are getting ready to sacrifice and they're, they're probably ecstatic and losing their minds. Like, this is, this is an amazing event that's happening. And Paul and Barnabas have a totally different reaction to it. In uh, 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul found out about this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. <clears throat> they, they ran in. So, again, picture the crowd scene. And also remember, obviously, they didn't have the technology of microphones and speakers to be able to, you know, be able to stand in, a, in, a, in front of a group of 2,000 people and have all the people in the back hear every word that they're saying out in the front. So what might have been happening was as they're preaching the gospel and as they're, you know, you know, they're talking, the people all around them were hearing everything, but... All the people in the back and, you know, the back half, they were still going off of, this is Zeus and Hermes. We need to do what we, you know, get all the sacrifices ready and, 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 uh, and praise them. Because, you know, they, they so it, we see here that Barnabas and Paul, they had found out about it. So my point is they, uh, it, it, they didn't know that that was happening at first. Um, so when they did found out, find out about it, um, they tore their clothes and clothes. <clears throat> So I typed that into uh, gotquestions.com. I don't know if you guys know that website, but it's, it's basically like the number one Bible question website. And uh, they said, tearing one's clothes was a public and powerful expression of grief in ancient times. So <clears throat> it, they, Paul and Barnabas' reaction to this, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't anger and frustration. It was actually grief. They actually, they actually felt terrible and and all because they they, their whole point their whole reason for being there was to give the message of of jesus of him being the messiah the messiah has come of the living god that was their whole point not for them to get praise so when they when they realized that that they were 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 the, the recipient of all the people's praise they they were grieved over it um you know it felt like they failed and that too, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, say, that's a big part of it. Like they, they probably thought they, on some level, they probably thought that they had failed yeah. their whole point of being there. They failed the church that sent them, you know, failed God, the whole thing. Uh, so they were very grieved, um, and uh, so they they run in. You know, why are you doing this? We two are only men, uh, human like you. Verse fifteen. We are bringing you good news. 
that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. So this is interesting uh, and and also shows how, how bold they were too. So turn, they go in, they say, turn from these worthless things. They basically just told them that everything that these people were worshiping, their, their whole belief system of Zeus and all of those other gods in, in Greek mythology and everything, or any other idols they were worshiping, all of that was worthless. All of that was, was trash. And they said, turn to the one living God. I like how living God is added here because it puts emphasis on this, this, this God that we're giving you actually is God. This is, this is the true living God. And then again, you know, you look into what was said, the, the very next statement, um, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. This was a very specific point to make to those people that they were talking to because, again, in context, in Greek mythology, they had... They had a bunch of different gods, and each gods, each god was over a, a specific area. So it was over the heavens, over you know uh, the weather, over the earth, over sea, over, over and then you know they had one for everything. So the point that he was saying to them was was this one living God that we're preaching and we're given to you is the God that is over. All of this over everything, over every aspect of reality and every every aspect of life. And there is no you know breakup or different power structure or, or different God that different that you know rules over this different thing. It's just one God, period. Done. And uh, I think too, like like how much does that that also apply to um, you know to us now? You know how many times. Uh, with the with kind of the new the the, the revamped new wave of, of relativism that even has unfortunately gotten into the church heavily, uh, you you nowadays still you will have a lot of Christians that that won't necessarily tell you that that Jesus is the only way. They'll 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 you know Christians that that go to church that read their Bibles, they'll also say. Ah, well, you know, if you believe something different, okay. If that works for you, that works for you. Um, and that's really unfortunate because if they, if they read their Bibles a little bit more, you see things like John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The whole point of this is that uh, truth is very exclusive. And that's what they're, getting, they're trying to get across here. You know, we also see uh, Matthew 7, 13 or 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. The point is, this, the small narrow gate is, is there is just one answer. There's just Jesus. There's, that's it. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The point of the, the broad, wide gate is that if it's not Jesus, it, if it's literally anything else, if it's Greek gods, if it's, if it's Buddha, if it's the Hindu hundreds of thousands of gods that they have, if it's, if it's atheism, if it's, uh, uh, if it's uh, the, the Quran and Muhammad and all them and, and, and Allah, all of that is a part of the wide gate. 
that is all that is all the broad the, the gate that many many billions of people unfortunately are walking on the point is walk through the narrow gate walk through you know through Jesus to get to God the Father um, and that's that's what they're trying to say here <clears throat> at 16 and 17 in past generations he let all nations go their own way Yet he has not left himself without testimony to his goodness. He gives you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with food and gladness. This is basically an, a continuation of their, the point they were making in 15, where throughout all of, all of time, the God I'm telling you about, the one true living God, has been the God that has provided for you every season, all the food, provided for you everything all throughout this time. Everything that all, all your harvesting you do, all that happens because of, of what God has put in place, the one true living God. <clears throat> and in 18, uh, now this, <laughs> this again is really interesting. 18, uh, the next couple verses. Even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could hardly stop the crowds from sacrificing to them. So even as they're trying to make these points, these strong points against what these very people are, are, are trying to do themselves, it still says they couldn't get them to stop. And we don't really have a great idea of how many people were there, but it was probably a lot of people. And again, you don't have the technology to reach out to every single person where they could hear you good. And so there's all these different dynamics happening and there's, they couldn't get them to stop. Um, and but what's interesting is we see here, this one verse, these people are still sacrificing to Paul and Barnabas because they think they're Zeus and Hermes. Next verse, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds, which is really similar. So these, these were unbelieving uh, Jews in the sense that they didn't believe the gospel message uh, of the Messiah. And they followed, they, they followed Paul and Barnabas uh, to, to these places. And then they got there, they, they caught up, and just like we talked about last week, um, over in the beginning of 14, similar to it, um, they, uh, these people went and they, they, they turned the crowd against them. They poisoned their minds, which is early in the chapter. They poisoned their minds and they, and they, they turned the crowd, this, one, this crowd, the same crowd that was trying to worship them, they now turned completely against them to where the next verse they, they stoned Paul and dragged him out sit, outside the city because they thought he was dead. All of this happened, you know, quickly. And, but this is really cool. They, they stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, presumed he was dead. But after, this, after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. So... <clears throat> So Paul was, was stoned so bad that either he was fully dead, which there's a lot, of, a lot of people that believe that, or he was in such bad shape that everyone thought he was dead. So either way, he's not doing well physically. And uh, I didn't really get too, into this too much because this wasn't the, the point of the lesson, but, you know, the people, some people that, that say that he was fully dead was maybe... maybe the, later on, um, in, in some other books of the Bible that, that he writes where he mentions he was in the third heaven and, and taken up uh, and seeing, seeing all those different things, that maybe this was the, what he, they were, he was referencing was this time. Um, but 
Yeah. So the point is, he's in really, really bad shape. And the disciples, so this is, this is obviously Barnabas, and then there were some other disciples that were with them. And then possibly some of the, the people who they had just preached to that maybe, you know, did become converts. But there was other believers, don't know how many, but other believers that surrounded them. So you can picture that, you know, they gathered around this guy that was a wreck, looked disgusting, was totally beat. And um, obviously, you know, they're praying for him and stuff like that. And it just goes right from he was presumed to be dead to he got up and went back into the city. <laughs> and that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, he just that alone, um, just that alone is is uh, not only is the miraculous healing uh, amazing, but we also get a picture of of Paul's determination and conviction to to give out the gospel no matter the cost to himself, um, no matter the persecution he faces, um, and. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's immediate. It's, it's, this just happened terrible to me. Oh, I'm healed now, or I'm back to life either way. I'm, I'm good. I'm going back. We're going back in. And, and then the next day, again, attesting to the miraculous healing, the next day he left to take another trip to, to another city. So you can't do all of that if, if you're still in really bad shape from just being stoned. Um, so that's all just, just an, amazing, uh, an amazing healing um, that happened. Um, and so I'll read the next section now because we, we just finished that first section. Get to that, uh, the two things that I, I'm prepared up with, uh, when he's talking to Timothy in this, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 11, yeah. Paul says, Persecutions and sufferings such as would happen to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, God rescued me. Yeah. So all those things, he's attributed to God. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'll say about you talk about Paul's character, how he can do these things. And I look at Romans, okay, uh, chapter nine, verse three. I think it is. It says, for I could wish that I myself were cursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He had such a love for people that he was wishing that he could give up his salvation for others. Now I thought about that a lot. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, do I love people enough that I would give up my, you know? I think, when I go through hell for eternity, for the sake of others, you know, for 200, for 300, for four, whatever number you want to put on it, I don't know. But that was his attitude. You know, I mean, knowing that he knew that couldn't happen, but so that was his attitude. I'm willing to do this. And I think with God, I and mean, that's what he wants. He wants to be willing to do this. Mm-hmm. We don't ever have to do it, but God knows people's hearts, and he knows what we're willing to do. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. You know, I love people, but I don't know if I'm willing yeah. to get, I'm be willing to go with my salvation for other people. I don't know. Paul was. So like you said, when you look at some of Paul, things that Paul did, yeah. you know, his grieving, at, you know, his failure or whatever, this is where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. He has such a heart. And I don't know if I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to think I do, but I, you know, I ponder that all the time. Would I be willing to give my own salvation for other people, I don't know. You know so. The first verse um, from Timothy. Um, it's funny you said that because I, I actually now that now that you you brought it up, I remember reading that and wanting. I was going to include it in my notes and then I just forgot to do it. So you were that's good. 
Yeah, I, like the, I like the next verse too, verse 12. Yeah. Which yeah. says, anyone who wishes to live a God in life will be persecuted. Yep. So, again, you know, we think everything's going to be up roses and everything's going to be gravy. It's not. You want to, I mean, we may not be persecuted like Paul did. Mm-hmm. For everyone else, it's different what persecution is, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know it's been argued from the pulpit that someone calling you names, I know there's a song out there of names and stuff like that. That could really destroy somebody. But we're not persecuted like other people. Everybody's different. And persecution is just what's called stopping you from yeah. sharing the gospel or whatever. Did you read the rest of my notes? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're touching on everything I'm about to say. No, that's good. I'd rather hear from you then. That's, that's good. Um, well, well, we'll backtrack and then we'll get back there. Um, but uh, I'm going to read the rest, uh, 21 to the end of the chapter. They preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. So that, again, that city is Derby, the new city that they're in. They preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. We must endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, praying and fasting as they entrusted them to the Lord, in whom they had believed. After passing through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for their work they had just completed. When they arrived, they they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a long time there with the disciples. So starting off 21, uh, apparently preaching in, in Derby went well. Uh, it was pretty successful as far as, as, far as creating, um, you know, new believers and, and disciples. And, uh, you know, because we see that in the second line, they, they made many disciples. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then, so then moving forward, uh, they, they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So they, they go to this new place, Derby, and then they basically backtrack. And go through all the other places that they had already been persecuted. And they go there with the purpose of building up, uh, well, 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. And uh, a big thing, um, it's, it's very important, obviously, to, to preach the message and to, uh, to share the gospel and things like that. Um, but also be discipled and, and, you know, have that continuation of having strong believers and, and fellowshipping with believers on a regular basis, um, you know, in your life. That's, that's kind of the whole point of, of like a weekly meeting of going to church, right? Like this is a, this is, it's not, ne- it's not necessarily a, a God prescribed, like you have to do this as a believer, but there's so much in scripture that we know that doing this on a regular basis is very good for us. Um, so this is, this is necessary to do this, to build up the body. And uh, at the end of 22, we must endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And uh, that's, not, that's not to say, the point they're not making is you're not going, you're not actually saved if you're not experiencing persecution. That's not the point he's making. Um, but the, but Part of part, the point he is making is, is that you will, as a true believer, you will 
like you said, on some level experience persecution. All of us in here, we, we obviously haven't been tortured or, or even probably beaten or anything for our faith, but we have on some level experienced persecution. Um, you know, whether it was uh, being ostracized from, you know, groups of friends or while we're out doing something or whether it was, uh, uh, you know, bullying of some sort. Some, on some level, you will experience persecution if you are truly living out your faith uh, and, and people see that and know that of you. Um, and, but that's a good thing, though, because by you going through that, is also saying that you're actually living for you know living out your relationship with the Lord, and that's a good thing. Um, and in uh, in F. F. Bruce's commentary, he says Luke, uh, meaning the author of Acts, Luke indeed records the irresistible irresistible progress of the gospel, but he does so in no triumphalist spirit. In C. K. Barrett's words, he quote does make it clear that the road his heroes were traveling was the way of the cross. So, living this life is, is not going to be the, necessarily the easiest road to take in this life on earth. Um, as we can clearly see... Go ahead. The, the image of Paul in that situation, where this is like possibly the day after the stoning, he walks into this group of believers, probably beat up and bloody, black eyes, whatever issues going on, definitely visible issues from being stoned to near death. Walks in and looks at you guys and says, yeah, so it's a little rough sometimes, um, but we'll be all right. And like, that's, that's what they're looking at, is this, this dude is like, guys, you know, persecution happens, but we'll make it through. <laughs> no, we're, we're spreading God's word. Just that, that kind of, almost a little fear, I can say, but encouragement, like, all right, we got this guy on our side, like, what else do we need, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> to, uh, to put it in some modern culture uh, phrasing, um, but I'm going to kind of change it a little bit, because you hear the term, you're, you know, live your best life, you know, live your best life now. If you're a true believer and you're living your best life right now, you're missing the whole point, um, because this is not... This is not our best life. This this is this life is, is for the next life for the for for eternity, um, and uh, so yeah. So we could get unliked on Facebook. I mean, could get you could get you could get. Un- I mean, yeah. If you have to deal with that persecution, you know, it might come. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so twenty three. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. Praying and fasting as they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So this is pretty cool here. We see, again, this is, this is them talking about going back to the cities they had already been to and preached. And there's already a bunch of disciples in each one of these cities. Now they want to go back and basically set up, set up the believers there to, to be self-sustaining. And, uh, and, they, and they themselves give out this message. Um, because they don't want them, they don't want their faith and they don't want their relationship with the Lord to be dependent on the apostles, uh, on Paul and Barnabas. They want them to, you know, uh, uh, they want them to, to take a hold of it for themselves. Uh, and so they, you know, they appoint elders, they appoint people that they trust, they appoint people who, you know, who are wise, who are really walking this, this life out, and they become the leaders of those places. 
and then it you know just spreads from there, uh, which is which is obviously a great model of, of how to do things and and how things should be done now, um, and also oh no I will get to that in a little bit um, so. They set up the leadership in the churches and they established those churches because they also probably knew like, like this might only be the only time we see you guys. So uh, I know that's not the case in some of the places, but, um, but like, again, don't be dependent on us for this, for, for your faith, for your, um, your relationship with the Lord. This is, you know, this is you and, and you guys now in this area, not, not dependent on what we do for you. <clears throat> and, so after passing through, verse 24, after passing through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia and went, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. So they're just, they're just, they just keep moving, keep sharing the gospel and, uh, and setting up these different bodies of believers. And from Italia, verse 26, they sailed to Antioch. Um, now this is the Antioch that is the, their starting point, their home base kind of where they started this whole journey from. Uh, so it was, a, it was a couple hundred mile, um, couple hundred mile journey uh, that they, you know, they had to sail uh, to get back there. Um, and where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had just completed. So they get there, they get to their, you know, to their people and they just start, just start telling everybody like, Everything that had happened. Um, obviously, everything that I'm sure they shared, every single thing that, that we see written down, but then, but obviously, there was way more experiences that they dealt with, um, you know, than we actually have written down for us. And uh, basically, the, the point of them being commended to the grace of God um, for the work they had done, uh, basically, the mission they were sent on, they stayed committed to it. And they finished it with success. They finished it with, with, with doing it, with actually walking out, preaching, and, and living out the word that they were giving. Um, and then I just kind of see the end, the last two verses. When they arrived, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time there with the disciples. So, big thing here, they opened the door of uh, he had, that uh, they're saying how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So um, we, you know, we covered this before, uh, but the point of now this this message was now not just being given to the Jews. This was being given to everybody, and so that's really cool. But then I, I kind of just picture they're 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 now here with all of their people that have been with them from the beginning, and they're just they're just you know talking now. They're just telling stories. And, and going back and forth with each other. It probably, it, it probably was really cool. Um, and they spent a long time there with the disciples. Uh, probably just a really cool time of, of fellowshipping um, to be able to tell those stories. And then also being encouraged and built up you know, to go out and do it again. And so I'm going to close with uh, this, this quote. It, it's somewhat long, but it, that's okay. Uh, it's from Chuck Swindoll's commentary um, on, on this section, but kind of the stages of how this works. Uh, so he says, I have discovered that developing Christians go through three very, uh, very definite stages. 
First, eyes on people. Second, eyes on self. And finally, eyes on the Lord. The first stage, eyes on people, is dangerous. Um, and I also, this is me now, I'm also saying this because uh, it's, uh, it's a good warning towards um, us and to whoever you know, is going to hear this, but also, uh, also an encouragement now you know, to us. And you'll see that as I keep reading. Um, the first stage, eyes on people, is dangerous. The person who led you to Christ easily becomes your idol, your model. That's unfortunate. Many a pastor is somebody's model or idol. In some cases, he's virtually an object of worship. So a pastor must remain faithful to help his admirers see that he is just one among a number of people who is being used by God. No one should ever allow others to focus their adoration or worship on any person. So exactly like we see where Paul and Barnabas, when they found out that they were, they were the... They were the point of the, the worship of the people is, is when they got really upset and they go and tear their clothes and they were grieving from that. That's what he's talking about right here. Um, second, eyes on self is what we might call a Christian adolescence, during which we know just enough to be dangerous. Everything is all about us. We're impulsive, experimental, self-reliant, propelled through, propelled through life with a sense of invincibility. As a result, we rely upon our own strength to overcome difficulties. Um, so these are Christians that are still, they're, they're believers, but they're, they're, they're still not fully trusting in the Lord for their, their walk, for their life, for, for events that they go through. They, they still think that they can do it all on their own. Uh, it's the minister's job to move Christians safely along to the third stage, eyes on the Lord. I appreciate the fact that Paul and Barnabas said to these assemblies, in effect, ladies and gentlemen, we turn your ministry over to the Lord. You're accountable to him. Fix your hope and heart on him, not on us. And that's, that's going back to 23 where they go back and they appoint elders to, to these different cities and different churches. Um, if you are a spiritual leader serving in any kind of Christian ministry, do your very best to keep believers' affection on Christ and their eyes heavenward. Just focus on God. Don't focus on... Uh, don't let your faith be determined by somebody else's faith and that's kind of the that's the ending point here so any thoughts questions I think of the Zeuserite the Zeuserite said can't get past that you know like alright so we believe in Zeus oh no like so they got like Zeus is coming t-shirts and then Paul and Barnabas come and they're like now they break out the Zeus is here t-shirts and then, like, at the end of the day, they got, like, we stone Zeus. <laughs> and the influence of the others that came in and took them, not from a neutral position, but from a worshiping position. Even the priest was involved in this. Yeah. You know, he's, like, got carting these bulls and wreaths, and he's, like, then all of a sudden, they tear their clothes, and it's, like, all right, bulls for sale. You know, like, what, what do we do? But then you think of... Um, read Ephesians 4, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine a slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie, lie and wait to deceive. Like, you know, like, you know, that's what Paul wrote later on. And this is what, you know, yeah. you can't help but feel the connection between his experience and, and what the Spirit yeah. gave us through him. Yeah. So all the verses stand firm. I mean, you know, all that. You just think of the, all that he saw. Mm -hmm. 
all that was when, when I was going through this. A lot of that was 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 coming to my mind yeah. for the for the for the first time of like connecting it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's it. It's almost like the quote that you do. First thing, eyes on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do that. Guess what? Because people are so fickle, things change. You know, you talked about that with relativism and that kind of stuff. You know, it's, you know, if your eyes are on people, guess what? One day you can be here. One day you can be here. So you know, your eyes on the Lord is steady all the way through. So. Yep. I also think like earlier when I was talking about like the uh, well when they said that God had become man. Well, of course they're talking about the Greek gods, but like to me it always like reminds me of the verse that talks about their law unto themselves. Like mm-hmm. they know deep within themselves God is you know, who He is, His Creator, He's Yahweh. Um, and I was talking to somebody recently about like all the Marvel movies, like all these superhero movies, like they're they're basing it off of what's ultimately in their heart, but of also the greatest superhero that's ever actually existed, right? Like, Jesus. And, like, what other story are you basing it off of? Yeah. You know? And it's like, to me, that's, they know that it's just spiritual rebellion to say, nah, it's Zeus, it's Hermes, it's yeah. this or that, or whatever. Or, you know, so, it's just funny. At least the Jews were consistent. They weren't into that whole God becoming man thing. <laughs> <laughs> they held strong to, to that, yeah. It, it's funny as you brought up Marvel movies. Uh, Frank Turek has a book coming out that he wrote with his son where the point of it is to point out how all of the, the recent superhero based stuff, movies and all, actually point you to the real God. Did you say Frank Turek? Frank Turek. What's his last name? Turek. T-U-R-E-K. Um, yeah. You gotta see this world, we don't know who that is. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Andy, can you pray? <coughs> Father God, thank you for this lesson. Uh, thank you for um, just how obvious it is when, when you write things like this to us, just to just to keep our eyes on you and to, to focus on what uh, on truth instead of all these winds of doctrine and, and people that come and go and all this all this other nonsense. Father, thank you for the word you've given us. Thank you for the faithful teachers we have in our lives. Uh, thank you for our, your love. I pray that I bless the rest of this day and just learn more about you. Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. Hey guys, Aaron here. As a first and a last and a whatever else in between you want to do, please support the show in one of the best, easiest, simplest ways you can. Please rate the show on whatever platform you're listening, uh, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. That has so much to do with with uh, with charts and you know moving moving the show up in the search engines, all this stuff. Uh, but whatever platform you're listening, please rate it. Uh, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We greatly appreciate it. I hope this I, I hope this content is uh, is encouraging, is is uh, life building to you, um, really to just get you to know God more. Um, because as, as believers, we want to, we, we believe that our life is about knowing God and making him known. So I, I pray that we are doing that for you. And if you could real quick, just please rate the show, maybe leave a comment even and, and subscribe. Thank you guys. Love you. I'm out.